listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of splatterpictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with always typical idea today's show we're going to be doing the 1988 undisputed classic franchise starter child's play awesome stuff (laughs) hi i'm chucky want to play always chucky i always want to play um I'm very excited to finally do this one. It seems weird that we... Child's Play seems like a movie that is big enough to do a commentary track for, but at the same time, we're adults, and we can do any movie we want at any time, however we want. And I believe that we're doing The Omen 1 and 2 next year. We are. That'll um, be fun. Oh, my God. Yeah. The two people that aren't planning the shows anymore have planned (laughs) The Omen, but that's been like a three-year thing in in the making. Yeah, the Halloween stuff, I always kind of like to have an idea about what the next thing is and and stuff like that. So, yeah, we're doing some more biggies for Halloween. Don't you worry. And we took a little bit of a break. Oh, my God. Yeah, we did. This has been a while. Hi, Wes. How are you? I'm really good. You know, when you were making me coffee and you were just chatting about your your banana stuff i was like i miss my friend like Mm. i don't like and and also what i had this thought yesterday as i was lying in bed thinking about the podcast because that's what i do Mm -hmm. i was thinking since the day we actually started broadcasting these episodes this is the longest time you and i have gone without recording an episode before we've never gone it's been over a month and We've and this is the longest we've gone in between recording sessions. Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. That is crazy. That is yeah. super crazy. Really. Yeah. Even after like the original Tombs of the Blind Dead and a few others, and then we took a break. Yeah. Or you're not counting them. Well, I'm counting when we first started actually broadcasting. Yeah. So we okay. had. So yeah. for those of you who don't know, when we didn't really know what the show was going to be or where it was going to live or it was going to be its own show, Lydia and I would sometimes record episodes on a whim and they'd be very short but they would be sometimes months in between yeah. episodes because we would they wouldn't go anywhere there so was, those don't count from the time we had you had splatterpictures.net opened up to dead air mm-hmm. and then yeah. and then we had like you know andy's theme song and and yeah. we were releasing and everything like that from uh the burning forward yeah we'll okay. say the cool. burning forward we have not gone this wow. long wow yeah holy shit we were really good about it and because we were i think it started off as paranoia we were scared that we would be one of those podcasts that crashes and burns in 10 to 15 episodes podcast fade they call it podcast fade and uh and uh and so i was like okay no we got to keep we got to keep this consistent and then we went like super hard recording every weekend yeah and then we we couldn't do that anymore so we had to like stretch that out but like yeah, but even 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 the times in which you know our listeners don't know that we've recorded some of these in advance, even in those times, even if we weren't releasing things right away, we were still within two to three weeks. Yeah, two yeah. to three weeks, and that's going through um, surgeries, deaths in both of our families, yeah, having holidays like anyone does, yeah. you know vacations yep. con season con season all, all those, those things yeah that yeah. releasing books comics 
all yeah. sorts of shit. But it was just like all of this stuff happened to both of us at once. And we just, what can you do? We had family obligations and we had work obligations. And then yeah. you had your wedding anniversary. and Halloween. Yeah, I mean, Hall- Halloween. Yeah, that's yeah. that's like Christmas for us. It's a wedding and, and family visits because uh, the, the one good thing for our listeners is that we'll probably be recording through the holiday season because I know I have nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I have some stuff to do, but at the same time, we should be good to go. Yeah, we've always wiggled through that just yeah. fine. But the bi-weekly um, thing leaves us open to a lot more mm. wiggle room so that our listeners may not notice mm-hmm. when there is a three-week gap. Because if we record twice in a row, then that mm-hmm. puts us forward mm-hmm. four weeks, potentially five. Yeah. So, like... They they never know, they Wes. Never know. So I'll yeah. cut this out of the show, and then they'll still never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a side note, just in case, because everyone pushes a patron all the time, oh. and I mean there is a patron for Teresa. There is a patron for Teresa. If you want to join our patron, uh, our Patreon, like feel free to look us up. Uh, you can get like updates and uh, behind the scenes information. We also have a uh, donation button on SplatterPictures.net. Yes, feel we free. do. Um, we haven't mentioned it in the longest fucking time, but that's true. I mean, Christmas is coming. Up Christmas is coming, corner. and you know, we did we did pay our bills this year for for uh, dead air already, though. Okay, good to oh, yeah. hear. Good to hear. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Wes. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I take care of it. I'm I'm like Santa Claus, except uh, instead of uh, toys, I just cut a check. Child's play. Um, this was definitely a Thomas request. This was a Thomas request. Thanks, our, man. Yeah, our dear friend, 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 and uh, big time supporter of both of us, not just of the show, but everything we do. Um, uh, he even follows my mom on Instagram. Oh, that's wonderful. I, I noticed well, she's good jewelry, so I can understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. And docs. And docs, cool yeah. docs, cool docs. Um, she needs a new pair, maybe Christmas. Mom, don't oh, listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, he wanted us to do child's play, and you would have reminded me because he's requested some stuff in the past. Uh, and our, by the way, listeners, if you ever want us to do a particular movie, uh, now that we have our loose schedule, it's a lot easier. It's never been easier. It's never been better to request a movie because we can just like uh, insert some stuff in there, yeah. like yeah. so many knives into so many bodies in this film. But uh, we decided to do this finally, and the best part is, is it really has this motif of going into the holiday season, because the thing about Child's Play, and we talked about this while we were watching it, the thing about Child's Play is it really encapsulates, and it was probably what they were going for, this mid to late 80s when the toy aisles were king and children had tons of options, tons of targeted advertising this was before the code that um disabled sort of shameless toy marketing that happened from 1990 forward this was still a smack dab in the era where you could just release gi joe transformers my little pony and sell kids a show to buy toys and that's what this is this is like a a show to buy toys and literally say run now tell your parents you want them to go and buy this thing yeah 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 yeah. you you there was no um e o e o in the bottom of of every children's television show script became the thing educational objective what is what are you trying to teach children in this episode what is the educational value because the things didn't have educational value after this code was installed, 
the child I can't remember if it was like child um, marketing or child protected act or whatever not COPPA this is pre-COPPA yeah <laughs> everyone's all about the COPPA right now yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but um, but uh, that's why Thundercats had the lessons learned and things and there's like PhD uh, child psychologists on staff as writers on a lot of those mm-hmm. shows probably to help patch those holes yeah but uh, this was this was still and and we worked it out. I was probably Andy's age when this yeah. movie came out, like five or six. <laughs> I didn't know where I was going with that, but I had to ask him how that felt because I, I was a little older. But it still definitely worked for me because I was still young enough to be coveting all of those toys in what mm-hmm. we had here as the Sears Christmas wish list oh the, yeah the wish book the wish book oh my god and and like you would just like stare at those things for hours and you'd like 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 look what i'm looking at mom and dad like you try to look at the page a little longer than normal oh i would literally take an extra copy of the wish book and dog ear all the things i wanted and i would fold the dog ear so that it would point at the thing at the price <laughs> usually and i would hand it to my mom and be like i've dog eared all the things that i want which mm. is ridiculous because we could never afford anything out of there my technique was always like okay so here's like the ninja turtles page i'm like what's the most expensive things on here don't ask for those mm-hmm. try to like work up to like the second most expensive thing or like see like this is the most i don't I'll, good thing i don't want this play set that's the most expensive thing on the all i want is just like all these figures like yeah. blah blah i'll yeah. make my own something above lunchbox but below full body armor yeah exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> do you remember in the wish sorry just about the wishes do you remember the craziest thing was like they always had like the tents in the back like of like here's like Ninja Turtles tents, Ghostbusters tents, and and it was always just like these kids, just like lying in these tents, and I was always like, who gets these tents? Yeah, no, that's the sort of thing where I wouldn't even like even me and my sister would have laughed at that because we know that the first thing out of my father's mouth would be like, that's not a tent, this is a tent. Yeah, exactly. And you got tents, you got twenty tents in the garage. Yeah, like they looked like they were just made of like bed sheets. Like yeah. they didn't look like they would protect you from anything. I've never seen one in real life. Me either. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, but they'd always be like the tent matches a sleeping bag. And yeah, that's yeah. all that mattered. In life. I would love to have been on that, uh, I don't know, camp whatever with the kid that had that set. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, I've literally, literally never seen like a Neo Geo. I've literally never seen a kid with one in real life. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, Andy is straight out of that era. Andy is us, is us with the Christmas wish list, oh and yeah. the the parent who wouldn't have accommodated, let alone couldn't have accommodated every little dog-eared thing or every little hey 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 mom check it out with the christmas wish book mm-hmm. um and we have this idea although it's really hard for me to parse how poor andy's mom is because she lives in the most swank address in all of fucking chicago from what i understand which oh, is the nice. brewster apartments mm-hmm. and they don't hide the fact that it is it's not supposed to look dingy or low rent it is definitely very top drawer accommodation the the apartment is on the fucking poster like it's part of the advertisement for it but andy is that kid he is um he is deep in the good guy's woods 
Isn't he, though? And that's another thing that I never, like... I, I had a roommate that was that into Scooby-Doo, but that's the weird I thing. you got right a podcast now. host that's that uh, into Scooby-Doo. Yeah, but you do... Okay, this person, this wonderful person, okay. who just really liked Scooby-Doo as an adult, had, like, Scooby-Doo uh, Christmas ornaments. Okay. Scooby-Doo pillow. Mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo cups and okay. cutlery and all sorts of kitcheny things and, okay. like, a travel mug. And Scooby-Doo welcome mat... Scooby Doo okay. dog things for her dog who was not named Scoob, who it should have been named Scoob. Was a Scrappy? No, it was not. It wasn't. It was Mopar, but um, <laughs> for whatever reason. But that she had um, Scooby Doo car things. You know when you can get like the car seat covers the, and the wheel the steering wheel, wheel cover, yeah. like the carpet in the bottom, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Scooby Doo. She had other Scooby Doo things, but that's just the beginning you, of what I can remember. Do you think it was like one of those things where she accidentally told like her mother or grandma that she liked Scooby Doo, and then for every birthday and Christmas, it was just like, oh, get her a Scooby Doo thing. She loves that. Uh, then- no, she she bought all that herself. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, but that's what Andy's like. He's got good guys cereal, good guys outfit. He's basically dressed as a one hundred percent all the time walking, talking good guy doll. Yeah, because he's got the PJs that even the, the they're footy pajamas, but they have like rubber soles yeah. in the bottom of them. So, yeah, it's crazy. And and this this good guy franchise, like I know kids shows are dumb, but like. It, this kind of thing looks almost like a Captain Kangaroo or like a Barney. Barney. Yeah, Barney's really what it reminded me of. Yeah, just like a weird, like here's a, a live action show and there's probably some animated shorts and you can, it's a riff on my buddy and I think most horror fans know that or most people probably would know that just by looking at it. You're like, oh, a Chucky doll. It looks just like a My Buddy yeah. commercial and they're called Good Guy Dolls and and they're fucking creepy like i even when i was a kid looking at the my buddy dolls when those commercials were coming out i would have been in and around annie's age and i just didn't see the appeal at all it was kind of like it's kind of like do you remember like those those like like cars and jeeps that kids could drive around and shit yeah my my niece and uh nephew got one or my niece got one yeah. eventually i never saw the appeal because year. no because we didn't either this and theirs was an older one so it was quite rugged and i remember marveling at like how really cool this was as an adult but mm-hmm. when i was a kid i was like meh yeah like i was way more into like I loved action figures as a kid, and I liked them to look cool. If if you could, if there could, one could be like a skeleton or a goblin or something, some sort of demon in like like medieval plate armor or something like that. That would be kind of like my shit right there. Like you know, Ninja Turtles. I wanted all the monsters, and like the Ninja Turtles were kind of an afterthought. Um, that was kind of where I was at. So these good guy dolls didn't really appeal to me, but I can tell you who they do appeal to fucking Andy oh my god and I guess it was like the Cabbage Patch Kid double craze right because people did have that sort of craze about it my sister was obsessed with Cabbage Patch dolls my father got beat up by an old lady over a Cabbage Patch doll and that's what this is like this movie really is about the horror of being a parent and and having to deal with a kid that wants that toy the Tickle Me Elmo the Furby the Cabbage Patch Kid or the Good Guy doll like and 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 like or Teddy Ruxpin because Teddy Ruxpin remind me a lot of Teddy Ruxpin. Oh, I, know, I had yeah. a walking doll, but that was all the rage. That's a 1960s thing. Yeah. The dolls didn't actually do anything though. Yeah, we this had a Teddy a, Ruxpin as a kid. Yeah. My, my brother had a Teddy Ruxpin. It was they were cool. Like you yeah. put the like, cassettes in their backs and shit and like that and tell a story. Yeah. But like um, 
right now there's like younger listeners who are just like what the fuck are these two old people talking well, about well cuz yeah i don't know what is the hot toy right now me oh they're yeah. um I was, you know what? I literally just had a conversation with my sister. Is a sister. switch? Is that what the fucking hot toy is? No, because I would have assumed that it was, it's like a, the video game. But like for younger kids, like the Andes of the world, it's like, fuck, they told me what it was. But they're basically like, uh, there's like these, like, they're almost like, they sounded like finger puppets to me. But I don't know exactly what they are. Like Polly Pocket? Yes, they were a lot like Polly Pocket. We got to translate like this that. into 80s toys. My niece went through an 80s toy binge thing mm-hmm. for a long time. And she just wasn't interested in what's on the shelves for kids these days. She wanted Popples, for crying out loud. That's what she wanted, Popples. Popples were cool. Wuzzles. Do you remember Wuzzles? Vaguely. Wuzzles were, um, like, butterfree. So, like, it was like a... Or uh, it was like an elephant and a butterfly mixed oh, together. Oh, I remember they would those. Take, we had like, scowl. Yes, yeah. yes, skunk yes. owl. Yeah, the skunk. Of course you did. Yeah, you're like because he sounds like he's scowling. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I remember those pound puppies. I remember my. I sis- call these two my pound puppies, <laughs> and I call them Scoob too. Both of them, not Scooby and Scrappy, just Scooby. <laughs> no one wants to be Scooby. No, no, no. Um, this is the nightmare of disappointing your child and what you would do. To go to that, and Karen, who has this impossible apartment, who seems to she works at a jewelry uh, department at a department store, almost like a Macy's or a yeah. FAO Schwartz. Well, that's a toy store, but like you know, what I'm saying like like a Macy's and or Nordstrom, Nordstrom or, or something like that. The yeah. Bay. Yeah, she's got a smarmy bow tie guy and shit like that, and uh, the chick from Empty Nest is her best friend, and we. She's got to have anything to get this doll because she he has this birthday and she was really he was really excited and happy, but the, he didn't get the good guy doll. That was like this new thing, which is weird. You'd think they'd start with the doll. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, well, he's got all the other stuff. You know, he's probably got a doll's worth mm-hmm. of fucking merch already. So. But from the commercial, it sounded as though it's this brand new thing. So they did cereal. They did pajamas they did this tool set where you could like a lot of um uh, bob the builder did a tool set yeah like a lot of cosplay type stuff where you're like you are the good guy to like oh no now you can like play with a good guy it's also weird to me that like every good guy and this is in the franchise but like every good guy has a different name it's like i was like that's weird to me because they all look the same. They all look and they're the- all this, they are this one doll. Yeah, and this good guy is a character on the show. So why do they all have different names? I have no idea. But and anyway, that's a very good point. Considering they all look the same. Yeah. Although there were Cabbage Patch dolls that looked the same. Because yeah. I had one named Irma, and someone else had the exact same doll. Swear mm-hmm. to God, different name. And that mm-hmm. creeped me out. Yeah, but I mean, like, My Little Pony was like, no, they have different names, and, and Barbie had different names. It's like, you're either Barbie or Skipper. You're... But they look different, and all the Barbies yeah. are named Barbie. But yeah. all these kids that are dragging their good guy dolls to school, which is very weird to me. Yeah. Because I, I never really brought toys to school, but to bring a toy so big, and for multiple children to be bringing a $100 toy, a $100 toy in the 80s, West. Yeah. Um, I, imagine this, kids, adults right now, let's be honest. Imagine taking your fucking prize possession your castle Skull to school no fucking way. like th- there's no way that my parents would let me do it because they're like this thing's gonna get wet it's winter time by the way i was like this thing's gonna get damaged it's gonna get stolen it's gonna get you know whatever and i was a kid that brought toys to school and someone like my, my krang my krang from ninja turtles that got fucking stolen 
And like, I was a stupid kid. I left it in my uh, cubby and it was just gone. And you know, the weird thing is I don't remember complaining. I don't remember saying, like telling anyone that it got stolen. I just went to my cubby and it wasn't there. And I was like, oh, I guess someone took it. <laughs> like, and, and, oh, it's nice to me. Yeah. And now when I see it at conventions for like a hundred dollars, I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. You could have been sitting on a hundred dollars now, Wes. Listen. I know me. I'll, I'll buy that Krang eventually. That Krang wasn't $100 in the 80s, right? Yeah. So they weren't letting you bring a $100 toy. What is that in today's money? $7,000? Yeah, like Something with like inflation that. and everything yeah. like that. You know, it's... Um, it's probably like a $300 toy. Expensive. And yeah. and it does so many things. It says three phrases. Oh, I Liz. know. Right? Three phrases. We can get a pull string toy from a horror collectible company that says three phrases. Yeah. And... Um, not only does it say three phrases, lids, blinks, and it can turn its head. Oh, my God. It's just like, this is better than the baby uh-oh. This is better than baby pisses a lot yeah. or whatever the fuck it is. It's like this baby or this this little child in, in overalls. Weird that it's all boys. Do you, my buddy had kid sister. Oh really? Yep, kid sister, kid sister. It was the. It was. Yep. Like, okay, I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember all those horrible '80s commercials that would I- interrupt my watching of Shira. Don't you worry. Oh, Shira makes an appearance in this. I know. I was so excited. The Crystal Castle uh, makes an appearance, and and that's my favorite part. That was my favorite part of watching like Silent Night, Deadly Night, is seeing all like those um, toys. Like old Star Wars toys and, and all that kind of stuff just sitting on the shelves and stuff like that. The 80s were just... That was the time before video games really took a lot of kids' attention. It was still all about the action figures. It was all about the toys. And and uh, and and so that's really, really fun to see now. But we're introduced to Brad Dorf's character just wearing his wool coat like he's one of the bandits from Home Alone. And... I guess the bandits from Home Alone look like Brad Dorf in Child's Play. No, it's very, very true. But um, the one thing that I'll say about this movie that, you know, I look, thinking back on it, I used to be more bothered by it than I am now because I just watched it. And I was like, you know what? This doesn't ruin anything. But I always thought that the mystery of if Chucky was alive or not was a little bit more pronounced than it actually is. Because I thought... That I, I was remembering it that it was kind of a question for the audience or they tried to make it a question for the audience like is this kid crazy or is this doll killing people that's not the case at all uh, the movie's not really even about that so I take back any time I've ever said that but, um, <laughs> which is important for people I feel no and many people have um, pegged this as a film that is like a gaslighting demonstration of no one believes a child because it's a child. Well, no one believes Karen because she's Karen. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm so glad that her name is Karen. It makes it easy for you, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes it easy because... You don't have to call her a Karen. I don't have to call her a Karen, even though she is a Karen. Yeah. It's not as much of a mystery, and that's because Brad Dorf um, is going to do his voodoo incantation right away. And... Just side note, Thomas, we were talking about this, me and Wes, uh, before we started recording about... We're always constantly brainstorming other voodoo films because mm-hmm. me and you have talked about this on Twitter. And recently we talked about uh, more winter horror movies. And, you know, does this count? Does this count as a voodoo horror film? There's not enough of them. But then Wes neatly pointed out, 
any zombie movie from the 60s is a voodoo film. Yeah, yeah. or, or pre-1968, generally speaking, because like everything from like I Walked with a Zombie to The, uh, the Zombie King to White, White, zombie. White Zombie, those are all voodoo uh, yeah. pictures. I never thought of those yeah. in us racking our brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're always looking for, uh, if you're ever looking for voodoo and you don't mind some uh, old timey old shit that I like, if you don't mind that, then uh, then there you go. There's a whole bunch of, uh, especially the Poverty Row. Poverty Row produced a lot of zombie films and a lot of them were, I mean, all of them were Haitian voodoo zombies. That was always about going to like, you know, the dark continent and and, and discovering so this one here, because they do make it out very voodoo, although what he's chanting later on, and I, I think in the first round of, of ritual, he says Santeria right in it. Mm-hmm. So it's Santerian mm-hmm. magic that he's doing, not necessarily voodoo, mm-hmm. but it's categorized as voodoo within mm-hmm. this film. Yeah, it's just to me this movie is using voodoo as a shorthand for some kind of just magic pixie dust wizards wizards it doesn't matter they they just they want the karens watching this to just be oh voodoo because they're asking how does a serial killer get into a doll why does he know this magical spell and it is more of a this? thing to be able to attach a soul to a thing yeah with in voodoo not so much in santeria santeria yeah. is just like uh, display saint worship basically mm. from what I understand but voodoo is a very different thing so I think that they've got the lines crossed a little in this but I'm no I'm no expert mm-hmm. I'm no mm-hmm. expert either but and there's a, a, a lack of mirrors period so <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but it's not like he's invoking like the loa or legba or something like that it's it's all just Again, it's just a shorthand. The writers were just like, voodoo, that's good enough. Just, yeah. you know, like have a guy with like chicken feathers and it, around his head and that's voodoo. And, and it's certainly in 1988 when this film was released, uh, certainly no one was going to be thinking about it too 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 much more than that. No, it does sort of count though. It's not as fun or serious as what we've been looking for as far as a good voodoo based horror film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it sort of counts. Yeah. Yeah, it's edging yeah. in there. Um but this ritual with the uh lightning and the screaming and the yelling sort of scared me a little as a kid not so much as the one later on which we'll talk about Uh but this was where it was explained to me as an audience member as a child that this was maybe not for kids yeah yeah i didn't see child's play one first big fucking surprise oh well yeah this is a legacy this is a legacy of mine i look i've watched the older ones recently i watched two and three and I saw two first. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was easy. That was definitely the one. I remember looking at Child's Play, um, the that those very iconic like cover arts on the VHS uh, boxes, um, like all the time. And it wasn't until, but like Child's Play always was something that was just on the VHS shelves, something like as an older thing, and no one really talked about it because it was. It, 
they took a break on Child's Play until Bride of Chucky, which was in the late 90s, which, you know, honestly, it's not that much of a break. It was only like a few years in between, but uh, in between those films and, and shit like that. But like, um, Ch- Bride of Chucky really brought the franchise back, but like, but then like, I l- totally lost interest in it in um, the second The Seed of Chucky came out because it's like, I find that movie unwatchable. Like, it's just so bad. It's not, it's so, it's, it's not scary. It's not funny. It's more of a comedy, but it's like, I don't find it funny. I don't, it's way too meta. That, that was like, it was, uh, um, really fell victim to the postmodern horror mm-hmm. uh, where, mm-hmm. where everything had to be self-referential. You needed to reference the fact that this was a long running franchise. You needed to reference the fact that it was kind of a goofy concept. You need to do all this shit. This, uh, child's play movie, even as goony as this, half thought of voodoo ritual is it's still played very straight and all of this movie is played very straight yeah it's a, it's a genuine <clears throat> horror film there's mm-hmm. nothing really campy the fact that it's um a, a serial killer in the body of a child's mm-hmm. toy mm-hmm. isn't really played for laughs it's mm-hmm. not funny and it's not goofy and it's not you know there's no wink at the camera. Yeah. Especially not in the direction of children. And maybe not even as much as we had thought in the direction of the Karens of the world. No, not really. Because this film is is quite uh, literally um, uh, about a single mom kind of struggling with the idea that her kid could be like a budding psychopath. <laughs> or at the very least delusional. Because what ends up happening is... She it's her kid's birthday, but she's got to work, and it's it's you know it's kind of confusing to me because like I've had the benefit of working in a unionized retail position for a very long time. So if your manager, all they can do is ask you to work an extra shift, and even when I was not unionized, I never had a boss that would be such an asshole to say like I need to go pick up my kid, I can't work. Yeah. Like and then their response is like, "Do you even value your job? Like, I'll fire you if you do that." I've never had a boss that much of a dick, and I've had no. some dick bosses. And I've never heard of anyone being that big of a dick or dealing with a boss that's co- that quite that big of a dick. Yeah. So it, I don't really swallow it. But then I'm like, well, maybe in the '80s in Chicago, people got away with treating one another like yeah. that. This is this is sh- Chicago depicted as pretty much a hellhole. It um, really is in, in, <laughs> in many weird incongruent ways yeah but maybe we have uh much better labor laws here too so maybe maybe that is was a reality or is a reality it's it's entirely possible and it doesn't pull me out of it but the but it does set up uh the the idea that well her best friend the honestly in my opinion the best best friend ever because (laughs) i'll be honest with you Liz. if anyone asked me to like look after their kid like they would get a look of horror out of you i would just be like you know you don't want me to look after your kid. I just don't know what to do with children, especially a kid that young. Like, I nah, I don't want to do that. I think maybe it is a, a sexist thing here where many women are asked before males, yeah. regardless of how cool everyone is these days. Mm-hmm. It's still a thing where women ask women typically to watch kids. Yeah, because they're like, oh, you're like an innate caregiver. You'll know what to do better. And, like, me, and they're like, Wes, he'll like show them like Friday the 13th and I'll be like I will and single dads are still under the gun unfortunately yeah. so when they they typically just don't take as much time away as 
women do. And, you know, maybe they have a permanent babysitter in place. Mm. Family members typically do quote unquote babysit. Yeah, my, uh, like, I, I was, like, I know you were joking when we were watching it, you were making fun of her, her mom for basically having a latchkey kid. <laughs> but, like, uh, I was a borderline latchkey kid, except for the fact that, like, my grandmother was there. She had Alzheimer's, but, like, she was still, yeah. it was, like, an adult figure that kind of had her faculties most of the time mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that until, you know, we got older. And then it was, like, my sister's responsibility to look after me and my brother while my parents were at work. And shit. So we were vaguely unsupervised, but not really. Um, this, however, is also coming off the fact that she's got herself a one of these good guy dolls. Her kid was disappointed, but she's going to buy one from some creep off the street. A peddler. A peddler. Yeah. Peddlers exist. Yeah, he's out there behind the shoe shine and the blacksmith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a peddler in the hall in the, in the hall a peddler in the alley west yeah it's very Dickensian yeah <laughs> and this like, isn't the first time that this movie devolves into Dickensian weird Christmas popper bullshit <laughs> what the fuck a peddler and she even says there's a peddler in the alley yeah peddler I don't think that word had been used outside of the 17th century until that point <laughs> a peddler a peddler <laughs> It's such a great reaction that you had, and I never, it never would have like dawned on me that it, that is a weird word that they. <laughs> it's definitely a fucking weird word, and the fact that he demanded thirty dollars and not a crust of bread. A crust of bread, <laughs> or some hay in the barn to curl up for the night out of the rain. <laughs> oh, that's going to be two shillings, then, mum. Exactly, that's what a peddler demands in payment. <laughs> thirty dollars. Take me three lumps of coal there. Keep the cold off me. That is what you expect from a peddler. Peddler. He's not a peddler. He's a street folk. He's a, what do you call a bum? He's a crackhead. He's a cracky. Yes. He's got teeth of a crackhead. So he does like, have some cracky teeth. Yeah. So <laughs> he sells this doll for a hundred dollar doll for thirty bucks. Maybe that's why he's allowed to take it to school. Thirty bucks. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Other kids are dragging theirs by the heads that, to school. That, man, people are fucking manhandle these dolls. Yeah. Like if someone told me that I had like a hundred dollar toy, like I got the big T Rex for Jurassic Park when I was like nine, ten years old, and that was fifty dollars in like nineteen ninety three dollars, and like I fucking treated that thing like it was made of glass. Yeah, you didn't grab it by the head and go trucking no. around town and bring it to school. No. Like I I kept that thing in fucking perfect condition because my parents were like, you can have this toy, but this is like a big gift, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and so like, and I agree, fifty dollars for a toy is a big gift. So even nowadays, so <laughs> just thirty bucks grabbing this fucking doll by the head. This kid's pretty happy. She wraps it up and and you know what? It's kind of it's it's kind of like great timing on this kid's part because. Just when he was butthurt about not getting the toy that he wanted for... Because he's he's not the worst kid in the world, but he is kind of... I've never reacted that way to a parent's... Like, to a Christmas or a birthday ever. Like No, but that's also... It, it could be upbringing. I don't know that. Maybe he's had this rug pulled out from under him numerous times before. Yeah. And also, she, like... In the size of a good guy box, she wraps, like, pants in a giant... 
box with good guy wrapping paper on it. That's yeah. like, did you like not? What an asshole. God. And she knows that this toy is the hot thing right now because right away he's disappointed. She says, oh, you thought it was going to be a good guy doll. I'm sorry. I only heard of them just now. Kind yeah. of thing. My parents were usually pretty frank about like, listen, like I know you wanted this for Christmas, but just to let you know, like we can't find it or like, you know, so don't expect it. Like we'll try to get it for you after Christmas. If we we were definitely trained to not want anything for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Oh man, not me. But, uh, <laughs> but like I said, I was the Andes of the world. Yeah. Um, we could, the wish book was the, the operative word there was wish. Wish book is you like, were wish not book, getting yeah. anything out of there. Yeah. We would get some things, but like, uh, you know, my parents all, my, my, my dad was like such a slut for Christmas. Like he, there lived. was only one or two years that we got like commercial gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, but most years, no, 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 not like mm-hmm. that. But this mom is just fucking clueless. And that's where, like, I cannot figure out because she's a widow. They they mention that very briefly. She's living in this super swank place, but is a jewelry counter yeah. attendant, probably not making much, and is a slave to her shit boss yeah. at her shit job because it is a shit job. Yeah. And but she has this like very very expensive flat. Like I cannot. The, the things do not relate in my mind. It does not work. And and you know and and her kid. Like you look at his room and he's like doesn't look like he wants for much. You know, he's got like you got know, all the other good guy stuff. He's got all the other good guy stuff. He's got like a cool room full of toys. He's like, you know, he's she not- works at a department store. Other places are stocked with these toys. She probably has a store discount, and the peddler in the alley has one already. Mm-hmm. So she's just full of shit. She's absolutely full of shit. Well, I'm pretty sure that peddler probably picked it up off the street because it was like part of like a burned out toy store. But don't you worry, don't you fret, because Andy's got this toy and he's happy as a pig and shit. He is just. Over he doesn't the even mind. care that his mom doesn't pick him up from school. He barely cares that his mom's best friend, who he calls like his aunt, just pitched her ass out of the kitchen window. Uh oh. Yeah, no, and that for the next like. 10 minutes of the sh- the show after her death they she he definitely doesn't notice that she's dead mm-hmm. and it's not just because he's so like zoomed in on this doll because he has a theory about this doll too but mm-hmm. he does not act like he just witnessed a fucking murder mm-hmm. most of the time uh uh alex vincent who obviously was quite young when the when the first one was out and shit like that and like you can only ask so much of a kid that young um he definitely is doing like the the i just woke up from a really deep sleep and I want a glass of water acting technique that most child actors in horror movies do mm-hmm. where they're just like, what's going on? Is that the boogeyman? Is mom and dad getting a divorce? Like, why is it that, that it's like, this is how every one of them acts and not just like, well, that was the eighties, Wes nineties. Now they yeah. all act this way. Give your, give your kids other line readings. But anyway, he's got a couple of good acting moments later. He definitely does. He definitely does. But even like after this murder, it's it's not like, you know, act like you've just seen your aunt be pitched out this window. Yeah. And you have a theory behind this. Mm -hmm. Act more like your aunt just left and you have a half box of pizza. Yeah. Um, you know, 
She gets killed basically because, you know, Chucky wants to watch the nine o'clock news. That was like, um, I used to want to stay up late because I used to want to watch the Swiss Family Robinsons with the TV show that from like 1974. And I kept begging my mom, I was like, can I please watch this stupid show? It isn't a good show out there. Uh, if you're out there wondering what Swiss Family Robinson is, me and Chris watched Roar recently. Uh, and okay. all I could think of is parallels between that and Swiss Family Robinson. And in my mind, this is what I wanted Swiss Family Robinson to be. <laughs> and it certainly was not. It's like me as a child begging my mother, can I stay up till 9.30 so I can watch Swiss Family Robinson? Did you hit anyone over the head with a toy hammer? No. <laughs> These yeah. toys are fucking serious business. This is back in the day when shit wasn't just made of like hollowed out like Fisher Price plastic. Lawn darts were legal. Yeah, we had yeah. lawn darts too. Uh, well, my grandmother did. But um, <laughs> so there's uh, Catherine Hicks's character, Karen. She gets to the house. There's cops everywhere. This is this is a the latchkey kid's mom's worst nightmare lids truthfully she is coming home it's his birthday and there's cops filled to the brim in her apartment no one seems to be talking to her she's allowed to frantically call through the house for her kid no one says anything like no one stops to like hey your kid's alive it's a crime scene or anything yeah and, and she's like don't you worry she'll figure it out when she goes into the last room in the house and it's her kid's bedroom and there he is uh holding his chucky doll now the police officer, actually, we've seen him before. He was the dude that actually killed Charles E. Ray, the Lakeshore Strangler, uh, the serial killer. That that's what Chucky wants to watch. He wants to watch about. Um, he he wants to get uh, the sense of where, you know, perhaps his old accomplices or. He's you know. looking for Eddie, and I mean. He's pulling a little Luca Magnata. He wants to see the news on himself. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like uh, Interpol's going to show up at a fucking cafe, and he's just like looking up articles of himself. <laughs> if he wasn't sitting in someone's swanky high-rise apartment, that's mm-hmm. where he would be. Well, there was no such thing as an internet cafe in the 80, in 88. Watching the 9 o'clock news, trying to get a beat on this Eddie guy. Meanwhile, this entire narrative of Andy believing that Chucky told him things wanting to watch the news telling the police officers that chucky did it because he's he notices first that there is um flour on chucky's shoes and they find little shoe prints but the police just see that well andy has those same shoe prints because he's wearing those good guy pajamas they're about the size of chucky's feet so this cop definitely thinks that this kid has at least something to do with the death of um, Maggie. And we as the audience obviously know that this kid is telling the truth. So it's a little frustrating to like, it's like, oh, but I guess that's the idea is like to get you in the position of like, what was it like to be a kid and no one listened to what the fuck you were saying because you were like five and you were six or whatever the fuck. And no one is taking you seriously. And cops think that you're a killer, but you don't really understand that they think you're a killer. They don't understand that they're trying to put the blame on you, but they don't have any proof. And that is evidenced by the fact that Karen can just basically clear out a crime scene. That's wild to me mm-hmm. that she could basically just tell everyone to get out of her apartment. He's like, Oh yeah, good point. Yeah. We've been here long enough. I was like, that is not how that would work. No, it would not. It would be like, I'm sorry, man, but we're putting you up in a hotel for the evening and yeah. we're going to have a, someone watch you to make sure you don't leave town because yeah. this is all very suspicious. Yeah. As like, this kid has to go down to the station and like, yeah. 
there needs to be like so we need to talk to him this is not like all right i guess they're... they would be confiscating all of those clothing not just this little tiny hammer yeah that was the potential murder weapon because they're not yeah. really sure but yeah there would be a lot more police work going on this is a crime scene yeah how great was that shot of maggie getting pitched out the window by the way it was With beautiful the snow and that uh that side of the building and just that, like yeah that. that iconic tower yeah. and just the the hue of the stone and we know that she's going to imminently crash into the street below into what we don't know and then the fact that she takes out this camper back of this truck yeah is and just fantastic it's one of those instances where it's cut so well that it really does look like a body hitting the top of a car like a ton of bricks yeah and it just looks absolutely spectacular. Uh, I don't know how they did it, but I would love to know. But it's just one of the most authentic-looking falls I can really recall in a horror movie where you think to yourself, oh, wow, yeah, that is what that would look like. Um, I just keep thinking of the end of Never Torture a Duckling and <laughs> don't talk authentic falls. Well, I'm a little too realistic. A little too realistic. Uh, but oh, yeah. Man. It's, it's very strange the way that the police behave and the way that every adult behaves in this. And it's like it was written in a way through the eyes of a kid because the adults are like, I'm wearing big clothes. <laughs> Look at me doing important things. And the kid realizes, oh, my God, they're all investigating the death. And maybe I have some important information. I know who did it. Chucky did it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that is absolutely treated with, like... um derision suspicion yeah. to, to say the least karen is is not having any of it he's sitting in the fucking room like uh, the amityville kid talking to this doll <laughs> and uh and, and it's, it's in the creepiest way possible chucky just sitting in this chair while andy sits on the floor cross-legged and and is just talking to him she is at her wits end with him tells us stop saying that this this doll is uh real you get this real sense that there's uh th- that you know chucky has just been whispering to this kid because he even says something that's a little above his station in my opinion where he's just like you're really just mad about what happened about aunt maggie okay i'll stop saying anything and you get this weird sense like can chucky psychically I almost thought that there's one or two parts where I thought that, but they had had, I guess, enough conversations moments before that this kid is fully primed because he has also said things like um, alluding to his dead father in heaven Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and things that this doll would have been whispering to get on Mm -hmm. his good side or... Maybe it's just things that if we're believing that the doll is not possessed and the doll, the kid is crazy, things that the kid picked up that maybe he doesn't understand, he's parroting back to the best of his ability, mm-hmm. and it comes across uncannily accurate and above his station, like you'd say. Um, but we do know that the doll is totally possessed. Um, even like a little tiny point where the mom is still outside the door and she's listening to hear if the doll talks because she almost fucking believes Andy. Mm-hmm. Almost <sighs> believes him. And Chucky doesn't turn his head, doesn't blink his eyes, doesn't do anything to us as the audience and make us think mm-hmm. that he's alive. But he just looks at Andy like he does because he's a doll mm-hmm. and says... I like hugs. I yeah. like hugs. That's what he says, yeah. yeah. And it's one of his three phrases. So the mom's like, okay, everything's cool. Uh very very smart move on behalf of chucky the doll 
It's true. Chucky knows what he's doing, and then it's off to school, but he ain't going to school. No. The the mom, like, Andy does look adorable in his little snowsuit, but um, he's got that Chucky doll, and she's like, no more talking about Chucky, like, no more saying that Chucky's real, and he's like, I won't, Mom. And that kid gets on a fucking bus, doesn't go to school whatsoever, and thanks to Chucky whispering in his ear, goes to fucking Cracktown. Goes to fucking crack down on the train. Yeah. For fuck's sakes. Yeah. At that age, I'd never seen a city bus when I was like the age of this little boy. I would wonder. I bet you I had been on a bus, but I would have never gone on my own. I would have yeah. been with my mother. Uh, and it's funny, the seats in those trains remind me of the old OC Transpo seats. Definitely. And just like the, the shape of them, different colors. The chairs in this were brown. The OC Transpo buses were like a almost like a pinkish like red or whatever but they were red at one point red naga yeah. hide that had been sun bleached this weird orangish pink yeah, yeah 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 so um there he is going across, he goes underneath this fucking bridge and he goes to just this dilapidated burned out like uh, what was that movie we watched? Like uh, contaminate or uh, condemned? Condemned. That's yeah. it. It's like the house in Condemned. Not that filthy, but that just it doesn't look like they have heat. It doesn't look like there's electricity. It doesn't look like any of the windows close. It's fucking. It win- is condemned. It's it got to be condemned. It's winter. Or it looks a lot like some of the areas in uh, West Philadelphia. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and just. Um, it, it, like rat infested to the tenth degree, mm-hmm. and it, and it's just it, there seems to still have a working gas stove though. No, and this is the sort of thing that reminds me of like, and not to pick on West Philadelphia, but that um, remind me of Gary Heidnick so much. This is what I envisioned, where I envisioned Gary Heidnick living, and I know that the building has been raised and some of the tenements beside it. Uh, do resemble this, but this is the exact sort of building. Even though Gary Hydnick's house was like a fully functioning house, I just envision it being this dilapidated. And th- this would be what happened to Gary Hydnick's house after he was arrested and all the girls were freed yeah. and the dead bodies taken away. Yeah. Um, it, this is what would be left. This windowless, messed up, rat-infested fucking hole Yeah. that still has gas. Still has gas running to it, which is curious. But I like that Andy like basically puts Chucky down in a, in a broken rocking chair. Uh, so I love the camera work, the POV shot, because like the the Chucky scamper is just my favorite. The Chucky scamper is super cool, and this is the first point of view that we get from mm-hmm. Chucky, isn't it? Yeah, it is the first point of view. We see him darting around the corner of Aunt Maggie's eyes like he's the fucking Baba Duke, but like. Now it's no question because maybe maybe people might think if they were slow in the head that that could have been uh, that could have been Andy and his PJs you don't know exactly but this is like no unequivocally Andy went to go like go to the bathroom he left Chucky there Chucky left on his own and he turned on because Eddie left him right Eddie was his getaway guy. And he left him, and so this is one of the people that specifically Chucky wanted revenge on, uh, Charles Lee Ray, uh, and basically spooking Eddie throughout the entire house, and blows the whole thing up. And this is a they really blew up this building. I'm not surprised because it was a piece of junk, but I guarantee you that 
they were going to bulldoze that whole thing. Probably it was one of those stories like, yeah, they said they were going to bulldoze this tomorrow, but if you want to slap some explosives to it and blow the front of it out, yeah. be my guest because we're just going to knock the whole thing over tomorrow anyways. Because this is just like a legitimate... It's like you were saying later on when there's like a car crash and they're like the heavy framed metal cars and stuff. Like there's just something about the way cars crashed in those days. Yeah. This explosion looks great. It really does. And it rocks the house on its foundation. It's certainly like we noted right away, certainly not a controlled demolition because no. it doesn't just come down on its foundations. It it lists and, and it's like accidental that one wall gives out kind mm-hmm. of thing. It looks like it almost just splits in half from the front. Yeah. And that's just like what ends up happening to the house. It looks like a real, it looks like a bona fide gla- gas accident explosion. That's what it looks like. And it's just done very, very well. And maybe it is just the luck of them having this house that they could do that with. I don't know what sort of scouting agency would have found that particular house or if somebody had mm-hmm. a friend with the city or something. They seem to have some pretty good luck in the city of Chicago to be able to film at these landmarks. I don't know if they're running gun most of this because you can't, you know, just blow up a building or just blow the front out of a toy store, especially beside a landmark uh, Cantonese restaurant. Mm-hmm. So they must have just had really, really fucking good friends with the city. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. But it looks great. It really does look great. And no harm, no foul. I mean, Andy didn't seem to notice this giant explosion. But he's got his doll back. He's got his doll back. And also note now he's in the police station. Because uh, Karen gets called there and the kid's there. And now they think that they got like maybe like a little David Berkowitz on their hand. Like maybe he's hearing like the neighbor's dog or some (laughs) shit. Because this is where Andy's um, one of his better performances in the film is which he's like trying to get Chucky to talk. Yeah. And he's basically like, he's doing this on purpose. He's doing this on purpose. Like, he won't talk. Say something or they're going to take me away from my mom. Yeah. Which is some pretty heavy duty shit when Mm -hmm. you think about it. And he's hunting this doll to try and make it talk. Yeah. And it's pretty crazy because, like, all the things that Andy is saying about this doll are creepy as fucking hell. Like, this idea about, like, if you were sitting in your kid's bedroom and he was telling you that daddy sent the soul of Charles Lee Ray from heaven into this doll to, like, keep me company... Like, that would be insane. Could you imagine if, like, you had a kid and you were just like... And he was like, yeah, the the soul of Ted Bundy is in this doll because dad from heaven, like, sent it to me. And now he's saying things like, Chucky said if I ever said anything to anyone that he can talk and that he was alive, he would kill me. And he was like, oh my god, like... This is some dark shit. Yeah, and from from the mom's point of view, it is some dark shit because it's stuff that she knows this kid couldn't have absorbed any real way, maybe from the news. This is what she gets for having the 9 o'clock news on TV in her house, I guess. Yeah. But from the child psychologist's point of view, who isn't privy to what the child's home life is for real, it would be some very, very unsettling stuff. Mm-hmm. Extremely unsettling stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that they have some authority figures. Um, as much as I, as a fiction author, like to eliminate authority figures from a lot of my writing because I'm not a cop or a lawyer and I don't know how a child psychologist would, would really it's... truly approach this, I'd be making shit up, which is what I do. But I like that there's so much authority in this mm-hmm. that seems to be relatively bona fide in Charles Dickens London or actual <laughs> Bedlam or the Allegheny Insane Asylum. You want to talk about Bedlam 
You want to talk about Dickensian. Andy's going to get sent up the goddamn river. <laughs> he really is, because while they're having this fucking freak out at the cop shop, there's a child psychologist behind a two-way glass that says, I think I've seen about enough. He's going to have to stay with us for a while. So he gets checked into the loony bin. And we see later on that it's not just like, I don't know, it's just it's not just like a, like a hotel sex for for Looney Tune kids. It doesn't even look like a hospital. No, it looks it's... like a fucking prison. It looks like, like like you said, like Bedlam, or it looks like... It looks like an abandoned prison that people are squatting in. Yeah, like, like there's like children huddled in corners, their faces ashen from... <laughs> Streaked with dirt. And we're not kidding. We're yeah. not kidding. No, it's fucking crazy. It reminds me of um, when they had that asylum in New York off like one of the islands there was like this this asylum that they originally was used during some one of like maybe the civil war whatever the fuck it was used for for um people with leprosy it was like this isolated place that became a mental uh, institution and then like maury povich or one of these people did like a a thing on it where he brought cameras into it and it literally was just like people lying in the hallways and like cracked paint everywhere and mm -hmm. but it basically is just like it's a fucking prison with like children just like sitting by themselves with like one nurse just standing in the corner just like looking at them barely paying attention there was one there was one uh before that like an expose that became what is treated as an extreme horror film in certain circles, Titicut Follies, that documents the treatment of people in insane asylums. And people were treated like that up until the 70s. I think it was only, you know, non-voluntary electroshock therapy yeah. and um, physical restraint and chemical restraint not by consent. Um uh, what is it when they sterilize people, like getting the nuts cut, yeah, 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 yeah. and all that, like sterilization of people? Mm -hmm. um, there was another really big horrible thing that they used to do. But anyway, there's lots of horrible things they used to do. Uh, none of that was made like really, really illegal till about seventy five, seventy six. Mm -hmm. So like, so like, do you think that this persisted. was this was like um, Tom? Holland, uh, the director there, or like whoever wrote it, did he write this too? But uh, Don Marcini got top billing on this. But like, I, I think know. he did. I think yeah, he did. like, do you think it was like just? Oh, this is what I remember asylums would be like. Like, is like, oh, this is just like a writer remembering what an asylum was like. Because by the way, the con the appalling conditions of this asylum are not germane to the plot. Not at all. I think of the mental institution in Dream Warriors. You yeah. know, something that's uh, palpable, co totally believable yeah. as a institution mm. for underage youth that need yeah. uh, psychiatric assistance. It's like the youth area of like the Royal. Yeah. Uh, like like here in Ottawa, like it's just it's just a hospital. It's just a kind of a dreary. There were some weird angles up at the North Bay Psychiatric Unit. There's a room that was often called the bubble because it was a padded room. It was like an isolation room. And a lot of teenagers found their way into there in the North Bay Psychiatric Hospital before it was raised to the ground. But it had a glass window that was concave in so that the doctor or whoever, nurse on duty or police, could look in, could put their whole head basically through the door and see every angle of the room. So there was this big bubble that people's faces would show up into from time to time. It was a very mm. creepy fucking room. 
Um, I only saw it from the outside at one point, but that sort of, they had a very interesting old hospital, but it was nothing like this. This looks like a jail and it definitely was a jail. Yeah, it looks like a, a, not just, it's just a miserable fucking place. This is a serious place that, you know, Karen doesn't want her kid going to, but he ends up having to go to anyway. And then she's stuck with this doll um, and she's stuck just bringing this thing home. And when she sits down, it kind of, it, it, it starts like one of the, my favorite sequences in this film, probably my most favorite sequence in the film because it's it's got a lot of great tension in it. My mm-hmm. second f- favorite sequence in the film is just towards the end, but like th- this, and you had mentioned this, like the the sitting down, trying to get this thing to fucking talk. And feeling crazy yourself while you yeah, do it. Yeah, because you're just like, maybe I'm all by myself. The, Andy's not here. The cops aren't here. What if? Just what if? Like, I love my son. I know my son's not crazy. Like, there, he's never acted this way be- before. I did buy this off a peddler. I did buy this off a peddler in, like, 1641. Let's try it. And, of course, all Chucky does is respond with his, I'm Chucky, I'm your friend till the end, or whatever. And I like to be hugged. <laughs> takes a look at the box, and the batteries fall out. Oh, shit. The, no wonder this doll costs $100. It has bespoken disposable batteries they say good guys on the batteries I, it could just be another wrapper over top of it but yeah true that's pretty I mean, wild to me i've seen military batteries which kind of blew my mind i was like the military have their own batteries i don't think they do anymore they probably use duracells like probably. like the commercials tell us that they do yeah or at least the american ones but yeah yeah this is bespoke batteries the, yeah. that are not in the goddamn doll. Mm-hmm. My first thought wouldn't be like, oh my god, it's possessed, it's running without batteries. My fir- my first thought would be like, oh, someone must have put batteries in the doll. Yeah, or, or it has batteries and these are extra batteries for eventually when they run out. I was like, oh, that's great. They keep you stocked with yeah, some batteries. because they're going to put it on the shelf with batteries in it so that people can push the try me button or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's not really the case. And when she looks over, the head spins around 180 degrees and says it again. And then she drops it. It conveniently rolls underneath the couch. And this starts like the great sequence of she's going to fucking pitch this thing in the fireplace. And that's when brad dorf in all his glory comes out and and like the 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 funniest aspect of chucky to me is of all like the slasher type characters you know like freddy krueger talks a lot but like no one has a potty mouth like fucking chucky it's true and this is the second part where i sit back as a child watching this and realize oh god this is not (laughs) For me, she just she was called a whore. Yeah, you fucking bitch, you fucking slut. I'll teach you to fuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. And and just and and my my favorite, uh, Brad Dorff's voice work for this character is absolutely amazing. The animatronics uh, that they do for Chucky is groundbreaking stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and holds up. Holds up to this day. It looks fantastic. But just Brad Dorf freaking out just like that. Because Chucky's dialogue is always a bunch of expletives. And then he just, just straight up just goes into like... He goes <laughs> Nick Cage. Yeah. He goes full out Nick Cage. Freaks yeah. out. Gnaws on her goddamn arm. Oh, he's a biter. Oh, well, what else has he got to do, right? Like yeah. At this point, he doesn't have his knife, I guess. When he's raging... 
the energy in the scene is really great and it seems and plus like that weird sort of uncanny valley anger face that he has really creeps me out i feel yeah we were talking about this before we sat down to record just trying to get our thoughts in order about why that works so well and like this is one of the first um moments we really get to see chucky in all his glory Mm -hmm. and we've seen him like toddle around we've seen him uh, interact with eddie but seeing him be a a vicious killer Mm -hmm. and is actually a threat like a real threat to somebody who isn't uh, also a killer (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it works so well because of us being wired to more readily recognize symbols of anger in a human or human-like face. Mm. So aside from that uncanny valley, and I get it really bad near the end, even now, and I did when I first watched it, like felt extremely uncomfortable. And it was one of the first and only times I think I've ever succumbed to that uncanny valley Mm -hmm. feeling that some people get a lot easier, Mm. but maybe they also are more in tune with other humans' emotions, which surprise i'm not yeah so recognizing another human emotion is a lot harder for a lot of people especially say people on the autism spectrum having a hard time recognizing human emotions uh they often test a lot easier when it's coming to anger most people can recognize anger even slight anger in just eyes or something like that so i think that's why it works so well so that they can try and express all sorts of emotions with otherwise motionless objects or inanimate objects but anger is so much easier because there's only a few markers you really need to hit and even closely and we understand it as anger so it works so well and so readily on us that we're instantly scared and he looks instantly even more terrifying given the fact that he is a fucking doll and now karen knows the truth she's got to go back to police headquarters and you know convince them that this fucking doll is uh and it's it's almost like a daisy train of convincing people because it's like first andy's got to convince his mom the only thing that really convinces anybody in this film is they have to see the doll in action themselves well if i were to tell you that the doll over there is actually alive and was talking to me and will kill me it was said it would kill me if i told anyone you wouldn't believe me. I would definitely believe you if you were talking about Bobby, the fucking disgusting wow. puppet carved from the fucking tree that hung Judas that sat in my grandmother's basement. That was a sc- Well, that's different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's something would, you're already afraid of, right? True. So, yeah. Um, I can see why it takes that, you know, specific seeing is believing with, yeah. with Chucky. But now, not only does she have to go and convince the cops that her son was telling the truth, but that this, do- this doll is on the lam. This doll is on the lam, and also this cop's interaction with Karen is hilarious because he's basically just telling her over and over again. I'm not going to go check out Charles Lee Ray's home. I'm not going to do anything you say because obviously this doll can't be killing people because it's a doll. I'm going home. I'm going to bed, and you should too. Yeah, and to the point, she won't even get out of his car. Like she just like <laughs> she won't. She she just like does doesn't want this to happen. And meanwhile, what does he do? He goes to like go check it out and almost dies via Chucky. Chucky will end up throughout the franchise killing a lot of people in a car because that's when people are like super vulnerable. Yeah. 
but well, it's the sort of rules that you'd pointed out with Puppet Master. You got to yeah. get these uh, big, tall, gangly people down to your level somehow. It's a lot easier in a car because you can climb up on a thing, mm-hmm. or you can stamp through the seat. That's that's I nice. Love this. I yeah. like the 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 steam the the seat stabbing sequence. In the actual seat part, like anyone can stab through the back. This movie is like, no, 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 we're gonna like shove this knife up your ass or like stab you in the balls or something. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's just like a really, really effective because you, you you find yourself like, oh, and he's sort of like stuck in that position, right? Yeah. Like with all the other, because Chucky stabs through things quite often. It's yeah. used to a great effect in this. Um, stabbing through doors and stuff like that. You you sort of think, well, Karen, you could just stand up. Yeah. I mean, threat removed. Stand up. Mm. The fucking thing isn't going to climb you. Yeah. But he's trapped in this position in the car, right? And there's something else that we've found out in this sequence, too. Chucky can be injured. Yeah, which never sat well with me at first. I, I get it and I understand mm. now. But when I first watched this, I was like, no, 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 no. He can't be hurt. He's a doll. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even believe that he can be hurt. You can't do anything to me. I like you can't kill me. Yeah. While uh, he's doing the the, well, the Chucky, Chucky scuttle scuttle. Like, um, it's really great stuff. But you know, he does get shot, and not only with like the force of like a bullet hitting something that size just <laughs> send him flying. It hurt. Like it a hurt. Fucking and bitch. He's bleeding. <laughs> yeah. He's bleeding, and so he needs to get some answers, and we need to figure out how the fuck did Charles Lee Ray learn how to do all this shit? Yeah, Santry is not that popular. Certainly not in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Well, he had a... It was the old... He had a cellmate. Ah. Yeah. That's where you learn all your tricks. He also made, like, a big fucking, uh, like, a wall painting of him, like, it's fucking Candyman. Uh... That's where Karen goes. Karen goes to where Charles Lee Ray lives. Yeah. She gets, um, she pays another peddler, I don't know, a couple lumps of coal, and gets granted access to his apartment, which yeah. is wide open, like most of these fucking mm-hmm. squat shacks in Chicago. And poof, the cop is there as well. Yeah, the cop is there as well. Uh, the cop seems to be following her because she seems to be doing whatever she can. And like he has this idea of, like, don't go to these places after dark. It is not fucking safe for people like you. Karen. Yeah, no, but, and he's very, very right. But it, but now he does believe because they've he's obviously had a doll encounter himself. So it's all about how do we find this fucking doll? Let's find the the voodoo practitioner that taught Charles Lee Ray all of this stuff. John Doctor Death Bishop. Doctor Death is really cool. It's almost like a Papa Shango type nickname that you can give somebody, and he explains to Chucky. Essentially, that you have you have cheated death, but you're an abomination. What he you're using this for evil? This is not what I taught you, and you're becoming human. And that's where Chucky has this realization that he could potentially become stuck in that body permanently, which I think is fucking hilarious. Because at this point, if Karen would have trapped him in that gas fireplace. He would have burnt to a lump of plastic and still been sentient. Yeah. And trapped forever. Yeah. And not known this because he only just finds this out now. That what he needs to do is trap little Andy Uh and transfer his soul to the body of the first person who he revealed that he was sentient. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So he's like, I could be six years old again. That'll be great. And, you know, he ends up obviously killing Dr. Death. Like, he, it's a sequence very reminiscent of Tales from the Hood, where, like, that kid is, like, folding the paper yeah. and, and breaking the guy's legs and arms and shit like that. This is obviously, like, you know, Chucky just has a voodoo doll because I, I guess Dr. Death is laying it around. Like, Dr. Death seems like more of a nice guy than, he actually, than, than Chucky is. So, I don't know. Like, maybe he is just, like, more spiritual than anything else. Maybe he was, like, in jail for drugs as opposed to, like, anything violent. Because he doesn't seem like a violent person. And why he didn't think that Chucky was just going to kill him after he revealed what he needed to do. But he does. He probably would have been in there accidentally because, I, I guess, you can... People could be charged with, like, extortion. Mm-hmm. When and, and a lot, some people aren't necessarily 100% on the up and up when they're doing Santeria because they will be like, oh, here's $12,000 for this charm. Mm. So some people are, while they're still technically using their knowledge for good, they're going about it in a money-making way. Yeah, so still it's a racket, yeah. unfortunately. So, yeah. So now that Chucky has this information, he's going for Andy. Andy is in this Dickensian child box he's in fucking bedlam it's weird it's very fucking weird it's really weird and you don't notice it until you notice it and it's when it was what tipped me off to how fucking weird this is and how this is in line with a peddler in the alley it's the three little urchins they're like three kids like we said with soot and dirt on their face and they're huddled up with little sweaters and there's like some nurse looking over them it's those three weird little kids that caught my eye like absolutely out of place yeah and you're looking at the walls and like the paint is just like it's like lead paint chipping all over the place and like every kid is just locked in their room and there doesn't seem to be and again they're like like karen when she goes to visit them she's like oh hello they're a little girl and like the girl's like just extending her hand like do you have Please take me home. Arms, arms for the poor. Exactly. It's very creepy and it's very out of place. And it's like it's someone who's never seen a fucking insane asylum before, let yeah. alone one for children. Yeah. It's wild to me. But they have electroshock in there, too. Mm-hmm. Chucky uses it to kill the fucking doctor. That's a great scene, too. It really is a great scene. And, and it's a really quite graphic and goes on quite a while. It goes, and this is like the most puppet mastery of it all because like Chucky just straight up takes out the leg. Yeah. And then, you know, slaps on. Yeah, you could easily like, he's got his like special fucking knife now, too, by the way. Yeah, I guess when he went and visited Dr. Death, he picked up his uh, knife with sigils, which is nice because it does have some sort of Santria slash voodoo. It's hard to tell with this particular film uh, sigils on it, but it also looks a little bit cartoony, a little childish. It does. It kind of goes with the mode. It's like, you were always meant to be a doll. Look at this knife that basically looks plastic. Yeah, exactly. So it fits in really well with Chucky itself. It looks like part of the good guy's tool set. Yeah. Which is kind of cool, but yeah. This is, this, is, this is good guy's stabbing knife. He's right there in between Puppet Master, like Blade, and Gage from Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially with all the scampering and cackling that he does. But uh, Gage is like a little bit more like um, innocent, mischievous, like an impish, puckish charm. Chucky really has, they really nailed. Charles Lee Ray is a low-class dirtbag. He's a low-class dirtbag and, and an adult street-smart yeah. wretch. Yeah, so he really knows what the fuck he's doing. And, I mean, listen, I would have think it's hilarious if his personality was in a six-year-old boy because be, that would be a sitcom waiting to happen. Yeah. But they basically have to save 
Andy who is going to get voodooed away. Voodooed away. Voodooed away. That's the idea. Yeah. Um, and they got to take him back to the house because Andy basically runs from Chucky the best he can until Chucky bashes the six-year-old boy in the head with a baseball bat. Yeah, you know, he, he had a good idea. He was in his closet getting his toys assembled or whatever fury he was going to unleash on Chucky, but Chucky's a fucking adult serial killer. Yeah. So, so yeah. like, you can't really outsmart this kid who's using, like, I'll use my toys. They'll they'll help me fight this other toy. I'm like, they won't. It's like this fucking kid out of the Babadook. You can put on a goddamn tinfoil hat and make a shield out of cardboard or whatever. Yeah, that's that's... <laughs> Thank God it doesn't go on very long. No, it doesn't. And we're back to like adults basically fighting. And this starts one of my favorite sequences. Not only um, does the animatronics look great in, in this sequence, it's got full Chucky rage mode. Full Chucky rage mode, starting with the, the ritual, because that was the part that freaked me out so bad. And still looking at it, it's mm-hmm. so weird looking because they nailed it with this these looks of rage. And it's that deep baritone voice coming out of this weird doll. Like, And I guess this is where the voodoo usage of some sort of magic, any kind of magic will do. Because it doesn't matter what words he's speaking. I don't understand them. That's all it takes, right? Um, it's probably somewhat accurate. Mm-hmm. A language that most of the North American audience wouldn't understand. So it must be some heavy-duty shit because it sure sounds heavy-duty coming out of this little doll with the lightning happening and everything. And, like, it is very creepy. And the look on Chucky's face where he looks somewhat mesmerized himself and still angry and very, very serious. He really has this... Um this menace in this sequence and also the like this sense of self-satisfaction because he is about to get what he wants because what he really needs to be is in a flesh and blood body and he needs to be in it quickly and that goes all the way the whole plot of two is that the he is running out of time and he needs to get into andy's body and by the se- by the sequel, it becomes too late, and then he's officially trapped in the body, and that's where he completely loses it, and it's just, well, I'm just going to kill Andy now. But in this film, he still has a ways to go before that happens. And when he gets trapped, he manages to incapacitate the cop, again, the baseball bat. He manages to uh, try to fight Karen, but gets put into the the fireplace and then it's like oh like it's like a exactly what she said she was going to do to him burn him and that's what she's going to do and you know he tries to he's just losing it screaming the puppet looks great because he's just like constantly shaking the thing and uh and he gets his one-liner in and he gets like and he gets the best one-liner i yeah. suppose it's a very lame it's it like, is the end this is the end or whatever and he lights chucky on fire and much like a doll made of plastic and fabric and, you know, faux hair, he goes up like a fucking Roman candle. <laughs> he does go up like a Roman candle because he's made of plastic, like we knew, oh and God. like we had feared. And this is what, like, Karen's big moment because this is what she wanted to do to the doll in the first place. And it's all that she could think of to do with the doll. Even though she's been told how to kill this fucking doll. Mm-hmm. We'll ignore that for a minute because it seems that she's completely forgotten. Yeah. Because the doll isn't dead. They go to tend the cop's injuries and that's where the the best looking Chucky. 
I love burnt to a crisp, still walking around Chucky. I like it is so creepy. Still melting. Yeah. yeah smoldering. The the one just saucer eye that doesn't have an eyelid anymore. Mm-hmm. Plus Brad Dorf's performance. Plus the fact that they're using these great animatronics. Plus they also have like I don't know if it's a child or a little person or whatever it is, but they have someone also sometimes dressed up as Chucky walking around to just make things a little bit more authentic. The filming of just like camera focusing on the knife then the back of the shoes you just see shadows yeah they've done it really well and they do blend all the different usages all the different iterations mm -hmm. and and it makes it seem like oh how could a movie about a killer doll be scary this is pretty fucking scary yeah and just like this thing coming towards you and it's so relentless and you know, she's riddling it with bullets and it's flying off in all these different pieces. And there's only one point where Chucky's on the attack. It's not even during the sequence. It's later. But there's only one point where he's attacking where you get this sort of feeling that you get from the cat in Reanimator. Where it's like, you know, it's just a thing that's attached to the human being. And the human being's trying to act as if this thing is alive. And you know it's not. By and large, all of the Chucky attack scenes come across as menacing and true and real and Mm -hmm. something that needs to be fought off not just simply brushed off your shoulder Mm -hmm. yeah it's not until he attacks the other cop later where it's obviously just this charred hunk of nothing that the guy is sort of dancing around doing a bad bruce campbell impression yeah 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 yeah. uh not nearly as charming as as campbell's stuff with uh inanimate objects but or his own hand or his own hand Mm There's um, this sense of, like, how did she miss the heart when it's just, like, two shots? Yeah. Like, right there. But because she knows. She remembers that you're supposed to take out the heart. Takes her a while because she shoots every piece of this doll off. The head, the arm, the leg. I love this sequence, though. And it ends so perfectly with she's emptying up, emptying out the rounds. This guy's partner walks in. This woman has just emptied a gun into what he assumes is just like a doll on the floor. And he's like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> like, he's so calm about the whole thing. He doesn't seem that panicked. Like, hey, lady, drop the gun. Like, there's none of that. It's just, what are you doing? I'm so confused. I was combing my mustache downstairs. Uh-huh. And, and then they call the paramedics. But they're not done yet, Liz. This isn't any old horror movie. This isn't kill the bad guy and he comes back for one last scare. Oh, we're not going to wrap ourselves in blankets and sit on the back bumper of an ambulance? No, we're not going to sip a styrofoam cup of coffee. <laughs> or hot cocoa. This is There are kids involved. That's true. It's like hot cocoa. No. We are doing defeat the bad guy two times and then a third time. Which is, you know, helps us believe that Chucky's nigh unstoppable. Not only has she double tapped, she remembered to shoot him in the heart. She took his head clean off. Yeah. He's nothing but a, like, ball of fucking charred plastic. Mm-hmm. And it's not until the, the, uh, the officer takes his steady aim and then shoots, I, I guess, in a part of the chest that she didn't. Well, his heart <laughs> would be pretty small. Like, he is three feet high. True. And so that erupts in blood. And then, un, uh, like, I just love the sequence. It's so creepy. It's so effective still. It's just the last death gasps of... I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to you. It's like that just shut down, and I'm like, mm, that is perfect. Like Hal 2000 singing Daisy. Exactly. Yeah. Daisy. <laughs> it's that. Um, so effective, so creepy. It looks great. Again, that one bulbous eye just staring forward. A great way to sort of cover everything 
And the 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 guy's um partner has a good point. He's like, "Do you believe us now?" He's like, "Yeah, but who's going to believe me?" And that carries over into the sequel because by the time Charles played two roles around, I mean, Catherine Hicks is never in the franchise again. She always gets credited or uncredited forever, but she's always in photos. Mm-hmm. They have a photo in two, in three, and Curse of Chucky. There's always like, here's a photo of Catherine Hicks again. This idea that, yes, okay, this doll killed people, but it's it was a defective toy. I was like, defective toy? How do you explain this was not a doll that did anything other than talk and move its head? So how did it kill four people? It convinced people to kill. Much like people thought this movie would convince children to kill people. Like twice this movie has been brought up and blamed for people killing people. So Particularly uh, those two kids in the UK uh, got fingered for a, a scene... In Child's Play Three, mm-hmm. they were like, "Oh, these two kids that like kidnapped that uh, little kid and like broke all his bones and then l- killed him and left him on the train tracks or whatever." Those two kids, uh, first two two uh, used to be tried as adults in the UK. Cool, mm-hmm. cool, mm-hmm. cool, cool, cool. I like murder facts. Yeah, but- no, it is good murder fact, and but that is sort of how you would in real life use this movie as an example of what they're trying to get at with the second one Mm -hmm. you know as far as an excuse yeah yeah totally and sort of to excuse away the premise of the remake of child's play (sighs) yeah the the remake if if you correct me if i'm wrong it's just it's no voodoo it's defective technology yeah or (laughs) defective question mark technology it's ai run amok Mm-hmm. It's like there's no serial killer, which is no fun at all to me. You need the like. Listen, like um, the I agree. The Child's Play franchise really went off the rails. I, was, I didn't really care for Bride of Chucky. I thought it was really weird. I do do. I despise Seed of Chucky. I think it's garbage. Uh, don't waste your time if you've never seen it. It's a waste. I'm going to watch it because I've been I've been very curious about the recent crop. And I've been told it's really... I would serve myself much better watching everything in sequence. Agree. Like, that is true. Like, if you you need to see Chucky for anything, like, Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky are fucking excellent. Those are great movies. Those are great Chucky movies. Great uh, slasher movies in general. Very cool stuff. They do... They do expect you to be familiar with the franchise, though. Mm -hmm. So I will be partaking Mm -hmm, and the two mm -hmm. that i've missed which is bride and seed and then onward because i have watched the remake and we're not going to have too much of a conversation about it because wes hasn't seen it and there's Mm -hmm. not you know much to be said um but it's not like as bad as say black christmas as far as remakes go (laughs) as far as remakes because we got some fucking opinions on that one coffee talk coffee talk i'm paul baldwin (laughs) Take the taste of Creepshow out of my mouth. You didn't like Creepshow? No, I didn't. No, I didn't watch it. Um, I have a hard time now as an adult watching television at all. Yeah. And and when something's not, when it's just like, here's just like an hour long like thing and they're not really connected. I was just like, eh. eh. Creepshow's good and fun in that it's fun to see Creepshow. Right? It's fun to see Creepshow again. Mm-hmm. I uh, kind of went into it like any self-serving 
honest horror fan that just loves shit and loves Stephen King and likes Greg Nicotero and likes the creep show franchise to date. And any the word creep show makes me happy. Yeah. And then I started watching it and I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And there was an episode and I was like, yeah, that wasn't bad. Yeah, not bad. Another one. I'm like, this was really good. Yeah, this is, this is, we're getting, we're building steam here. Mm-hmm. And little did I know that that was really the apex of that. It kind of just went uh, after that. That's unfortunate. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. There's some keeners out there, real boosters that just love the shit out of it. Like the, I always get like, it was like, uh, it was, uh, I get this feeling sometimes that like horror fans will support things because they feel like they have to, because they feel like if they don't, then they're somehow betraying the genre that they love or I don't know. And, and it's great to be positive. I love positivity. And and because it's so easy to just be like a cynical dick. And, and cynicism is my least favorite quality in a lot of people. Except for you. You're good. Well, thanks. Um, I win. Present company excluded. Because yeah. uh, I feel like you've earned your cynicism. But like... Uh, I'm also old. You know, come on. That's, that's the one thing you need come to on. be a proper cynic. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't work when you're like because you know what it is. It's like you're you're kind of, you're pessimistic, but like there's pessimism and cynicism, however you want to look at it. And then there's people that just like just are trying to draw attention to their own snark. They're just like, aren't I so fucking funny because everything bores me, and that's what I hate. Anyway. <laughs> back on track it's sometimes i feel as though there's people that just like i'm just gonna support this because i feel like i have to and then there's other people who like are friends of people who worked on it and they have twitter platforms and so it's like (laughs) going back to like black christmas it's like everyone like supporting it so hard like trying to be like like uh, uh, the other day it was like it it was like rated PG thirteen. That that was the big announcement, and then everyone's like, "Well, what the fuck is this? Why is this rated PG 13 And all these fucking people who are like have check marks next to their names are like giving their like fucking eight page dissertation on Twitter, which by the way makes you s- sound crazy. Yeah, like when you're doing a thread. Um, but like you're just like, this is why we don't like horror, real horror doesn't need to be rated R. And I was like, listen. And I just put one tweet out where I was like, no one's mad that this thing is rated PG-13. They're not. They're really not. I was like, they're yelling about it being PG-13, but they're mad about something else. It's not about the fact that it's PG-13. Obviously, people know that real horror can be rated whatever. There's tons of great examples. But they're mad that it's Black Christmas and it looks like shit. That's what they're mad about. What any real fan of the original movie is horror is, is mad about there's horror fans out there that will jump on that train to defend whatever it is that scares them sure and to scream and shout uh they might have not even seen the first black christmas mm-hmm. they're just screaming and yelling about it so i could see where people get the illusion that that's what people are actually mad about mm-hmm. but those who had high hopes right maybe for the announcement that had them dashed not through the snow, but through their hearts. And and and, and it's just like, it's it's and, and again all of the comments that I feel that people support. I'm like I'm going to go see this fucking movie opening weekend. I'm like congratulations, this movie is going to tank. And it's not even because, it's not even because like, 
it does not have the reach. It does not have the, to, to like make any money. Mm. I would be dead surprised if it does anything more than like, I'm going to give it like 20 to 40 million and, and it's not going to like, if it does better than Dr. Sleep, I'll cry. Yeah, that's what I hear. But like, you know, and, and again, like it just looks so dumb and it's called Black Christmas and it's like, call it Slay Girls because you wanted to call it Slay Girls. I know you wanted to call it Slay Girls. Yeah. I know. You I wish they to... would have called it Slay Girls. Yeah, because, and I was like, what is with this trend of like, here's a poster with like four generic chicks on it, just a bunch of fucking like pumpkin spice chugging Karens, like, just like, oh, we're in a horror movie. <laughs> Like, who the fuck cares? Like, no, and literally, I wish they would have called it Slay Girls because the whole tone would have changed from the beginning, from the get go. I would have been like, oh, that looks like a fun horror movie, not for me, but for a new generation to get interested in. Yeah, like the same type of people that did like Babysitter or they did like that fucking, um, uh, like what was it, All Cheerleaders Must Die, like that kind of like it's, it's. Horror. Which was even a little more underground, just yeah, due but to know, the Lucky McKee yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But like that, yeah, maybe even Scream people. It'd be yeah, the new Scream. scream. People. Yeah, there yeah. you go. It's like just have like yeah, fine, whatever. You're, it's like a bunch of uh, fraternity girls killing a bunch of fraternity guys, and isn't that fun? I guess it's there's a market for it. I, I guess Happy Death Day is sort of in that. There game. you go, Happy yeah. Death Day. It's like it's like a slasher and like. You know, it's like, you know, it's not, it's not bad, it's, but it's just like, you know, I don't know. I don't like the look of the killer. That's my problem with Happy Death Day, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah, there's some prerequis- prerequisite snark and like boxed wine makes an appearance. and Yeah, exactly. And, and, and then like, but like, and I was like, no, you're all wrong. It doesn't need to be rated R. And I was like, you guys are just missing the point. It's like, you know, when you see a couple arguing about like you know like you left the toilet seat up or whatever the fuck it's what they're arguing about is not that no. their their relationship is in shambles it is, and they're probably arguing about two separate things entirely it's not yeah. even about the one thing that the person's yelling yeah. the loudest about but, but yeah that's all i I, I was like all i could see when people were like Peter. like and again it was like i was like 48 hours of this of like all i was seeing in my twitter th- feed was was like horror people with like check marks next to the name like going on this long explanation about like why you shouldn't be mad that it's PG-13 and PG-13 horror movies are, can be good movies I was like first of all forget the fact that they were a laundry listing a bunch of movies that I hate second of all like second of all no one cares that it's PG-13 they care that it looks like dog shit and be, it being PG-13 is just one more thing that annoys them because, because like I was looking at Slay Girls trailer, I was like, "Can you believe this is re- rated page 13 I'm like, "Yeah, I can, absolutely." Of oh, course, completely. Of course, this is that rated. Makes sense. Do you think that this movie is going to be rated R? Like, they don't know, no. And <laughs> and even if like the the writer of it, she was like, you know, just like we we were writing for an R. I was like. I don't know. Like, okay, fine. Then you should have rethought your casting yeah. entirely and the and tone. And you you might have even... You could have remade Black Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, people would be less mad about it. But, like, I, like I, honestly, like, I wouldn't have watched it. Like, I have no interest in watching, like, a Black Christmas remake because the originals... What, what are you going to do? How are you going to improve this to me? And then, like... How are you going to prove that? Take the weepy voice killer phone calls from every true crime podcast and put that as the phone calls to the house because the phone calls of the house are pretty pretty harsh like i still get kind of creeped out listening to that portion of the original movie but you can make them even creepier 
But you know what the crazy thing is about like the phone calls in Black Christmas is I feel like it's all in keeping because I feel like in the same way that the that the girls in the in the house are all very frank about their sexuality, they're very frank about the way that they live. They're very um, you know, Margot Kidder's character is like very crude, especially for the era. She is like a a fucking ball busting talking about blowjobs and dicks all the time. And and so, like, I feel like it's not, like, the phone calls are not out of left field where you're like, oh, this is kind of like a, a, a benign 1970s slasher precursor with, like, these really obscene phone calls. And I'm like, this is all of a piece. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I feel as though, and, like, there's just a starkness to everything. So, like, I don't, like, I agree they are very And for crude. some people at the time, talk of abortion would be ten times more crude than those phone calls. Exactly. So, and it's yeah. like, oh, what do you mean she doesn't want to give up her whole life and, like, just settle down with this dude who's a pianist who also smashes pianos and stuff like that? Like, seems like a cool guy. Um, yeah, for anyone that's interested, uh, go check out when we have a very intelligent, thought-out conversation about Black Christmas. And... This, I guess, serves as explanation as to why we're not doing it for the show for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we got next for? Coming up next, we have our Christmas episode. That's right, because we on that Christmas creep, y'all. So we're going to watch Last House on the Left. What? Close. David Hess is involved. Yeah, which is awesome. This is his, this is his directorial debut? Correct, or, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, a weird little gem. It's a weird little gem. It's a really uh, great slasher uh, to all good night. With a great title. I like that. Mm-hmm. It's a great title. I mean, is it the, listen, is it the greatest Christmas slasher in the world? No. But it's definitely fun. And it's interesting to see uh, someone with like the horror legacy of David Hess, primarily known for doing a lot of music and stuff, to do this film. And it will be like another swarthy, wonderful, kind of hunky 80s guy from Chris Sarandon to David Hess, right? No? Kind of. Okay, no, neither of them are very hunky. I don't think I've ever actually used that word before. It feels weird coming out of your mouth. It's, it's like, I've always, I've always thought that we need to bring hunk back. No one, like, aside from, from like, you the know. Hoff. <laughs> that's the last hunk I recall. Yeah, I was like, but that's the thing. I was like, you only hear the word, like, hunk in in like right before you hear the word or right after you hear the word hollywood it's always these hollywood hunks but we should just like wow what a hunk we should like i think i don't think that word's died out like down in the village if we go to the village we probably hear that word more often maybe or like calling guys a fox Ooh, what a fox oh i like that yeah yeah Mm, especially since like fox can be like you know very mischievous listen if Child's Play can hold on to Peddler, we can bring back Hunk. That's all I'm saying. The only time I've heard a man called a fox is the Silver Fox, that murderer that killed everyone in Toronto. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Silver Fox. <laughs> so maybe Fox isn't very good. Listen, I've heard both the term fox and hunk used in casual conversation in episodes of Full House. So that's kind of the level of writing that I think... Uh, <laughs> those belong to but hunk i feel like we could we could bring it back like i said peddler hunk peddler hunk chris sarandon david hess west snipe typical lydia dead air
<laughs> anyway, you, you, uh, that's it. That oh, that, that's all just, you have? We could just go out there. <laughs> if you want. Yeah, totally. I mean, well, let's start. Let's totally fine. Okay. We got it. We nailed it. Good.